Let's do this. Silence doesn't bother me. <laughs> uh, I was I was hoping that you would like maybe burst into song oh, no. or do something silly because usually that's my thing. Yeah, no, no, I uh, I, I am absolutely okay with silence. <laughs> I thought that just maybe the awkward pause would would just give you that nudge or the encouragement to just. No, I was perfectly content just sitting here. <sighs> I would have loved to have just seen like a panic start in your chest and come up and your face just like. Ooh. Hello, my darling. Hello, my baby. Hello, my ragtime girl. And we're like, whoa. That's, no, that's all it took. That was is a little literally cry. so far away from what would ever possibly happen. This is the Just Jiu Jitsu podcast. I am Andrew Desimone with Croyler Gracie. We're here on episode 50. Wow. It is episode 50. So what are we doing? You said we're going to do something at 50 about like four or five episodes ago. I did, but then I thought about it and I said, I'm going to, we'll wait till 52. So for the year, like I originally suggested. Okay. Okay. You get credit for that. (laughs) I'll I'll let you plan out the special event. Oh no, I'm not planning. I'm not planning anything out. I mean, that's all you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, we, this is still a special number. We got 50 episodes under our belt, close to a year, man. I, I mean, when we started this podcast, I feel like the world was a different place. It was, I don't, it was TV black and white at that point? I don't remember if color I, was I don't still. remember about that, but I was terrified of your neighborhood. You were terrified? You're not anymore? Well, right now it's winter, so I feel like the gangs have retreated. Well, and most of them are in Florida. That's what I'm saying. I think they've retreated to Florida, so it's a far safer environment to be in right now, I think. This is the recovery period. They spend all the warm, all the seasons of like summer and spring, they're just out here flexing, and then they got to rebuild those muscles. They yeah, go down. it'll be a problem come springtime. Yeah, we'll we'll appreciate we'll appreciate the peace and quiet while we can right now. Um, this episode is going to be a continuation of our guard passing series. It's been a few up. I think our last one was episode forty-two, if I'm not mistaken. Almost ten episodes, yeah. Yeah, and this time, last time it was about breaking guard. This time we're going to talk about passing. In our last episode, you broke down the stages of passing closed guard passing closed guard passing we Mm -hmm. went number one was good control slash nullification or setting up the pass right number two was creating an opening Mm -hmm. number three was passing right and then i think you said four was side control it would be the end goal the end goal right it doesn't have to be side it could be anything else but it's the end end product yes so this is stage three we're on now passing in this one, we're going to talk about the mechanics and concepts, and then also just different types of passes. What has passing become today? Where, where did it start? How has it evolved through the years? If we just did oh, like man. a quick summary, um, like we're we're in we're nineteen thirty five. What what are we seeing for um, at that at that stage? Passing was simply breaking your opponent's guard, meaning opening the legs and then tossing the leg to one side. 
So like the, like the white belt escapes you, you do now, you just yeah. boom, break it, and then you throw those legs to the side. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it was because it's all it needed to be. It's all the functionality that was required at the time because there's the, the, the knowledge and the development hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. So once you clear the legs, it was over. There's no nothing to worry about. There's no weird angles or, or, or you know, more more developed regarding techniques it became a scramble to just find a way back to guard but there wasn't really a clean path there so it was very very rudimentary probably between the 75 and 90 is when guard work evolved on its own which caused guard passing to also have to evolve yeah and so does it become what do we see do we see it becoming more direct more forward or is it more like acrobatic and fast and agile no it was still forward you still saw a lot of basically the the regarding ability between the 70s and 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 late between 70s and early 80s it was very linear you know kind of bring your leg back around the opponent bring your knee between you and them which meant that the guard passing while rudimentary could still function even though the regarding ability had evolved it hadn't evolved that far yet um when we get to the mid 80s um through like the mid 90s that's when you saw the big development of you know half guard and butterfly guard and de la Hiva and spider guard was blooming around the the 80s but that's when you start to see uh, more advanced guards which meant better transitions into those guards meaning better regarding techniques um which then forced guard passing to also have to evolve because the simple methods of just getting around somebody's legs or tossing legs to one side or stacking an opponent and having them fall over to one side were no longer as effective as they were then so passing was directly was driven by the evolution of guard well absolutely i mean it has to go back and forth right so fight starts on your feet if i can take you down better than you can take me down you're gonna find find a way to fight off your back which is what my grandfather did so as you get very good at fighting off your back i then must become very good at defending and getting around your attacks which was the rudimentary guard passing and now I'm passing and I'm beating you. So you have to then develop either better regarding techniques or better guards, better styles of, not better, better, better is a wrong word, but more advanced styles of guards that create more different issues and more issues for me. And then again, if I don't do anything, then now you're beating me again. So then I must become better at passing those advanced guards or those more modern guards. And then in turn, then you do the same thing. And then I will do it again. And the cycle continues. That makes me think then as guard retention and the guard is getting more and more advanced, then it gets to modern day where leg locks become huge. And that means... You mean now? Yes. Okay. Does that mean that guard passing... Leg locks become big, and so people aren't playing their guard. Would you say it's not as advanced? Does that mean that people passing doesn't get as um, doesn't no, progress forward? No, because the, the evolution of leg locks, what it's done, it's it's given people a different venue. I now don't have to pass, meaning I can also attack your legs, right? And for a long time, the people that knew leg locks had a huge advantage because they didn't have to pass somebody's guard which meant it, they didn't open themselves up for guard attacks. It doesn't matter what style of guard. Therefore, they were almost immune to attacks and they could launch attacks of their own on their legs and the opponent is completely vulnerable to them. 
However, as the leg evolution has taken place, the leg lock evolution has taken place, and it's it's become very common now, it means that both parties are adept at leg locking. So the edge that you had is no longer there because while you can attack their legs instead of passing, anytime you attack a leg lock, you yourself are also vulnerable to being leg locked. So if I know that, if I'm a guard guy and I know that, that I'm exposed to leg locks, I have to know that if you go to leg locks, I must be able to defend and counter the leg locks with my own leg locks. And then it kind of nullifies that out. That's usually what happens. The first stage of the evolution is a, a nullification. So you become good at leg locks. You can leg lock me now. I nullify your ability by matching my defensive leg locking or maybe my counter leg locking. And then in turn, you will have to evolve in either into better leg locks or into a system that incorporates both leg locking and passing together in order to be a viable threat. Do you see most of modern jujitsu in that, that second stage then? It depends. The, the, the ability is there for mm-hmm. sure. But what we see, quote unquote, see is very dependent on rule setting and belt ranking, right? So if a rule setting doesn't allow for certain types of leg locks, then that threat is eliminated. And me as the guard person, if I only compete on that rule set, I don't have to worry about those leg locks. So I don't have to become adept at leg locking and I don't have to spend time training that. I can just continue training my guard stuff. Um, the same way if I'm passing, if I'm a passer and I can't leg lock, then I'm not gonna waste my time leg locking, I'm gonna waste my time in passing. If I only compete in situations where leg locks are allowed, then it forces me to have to learn that as well. So it's hard to say because though the world tournament um, still doesn't allow for most kind, most styles of leg locking, which means, and it's being the biggest tournament in the world, it's hard to see that. Um, I think for the for the casual person practicing, if you want to see what I mean, um, a little bit more in life example, look at Nogi IBJJF Worlds versus Nogi uh, versus Abu Dhabi essentially, and you will see that the passing strategy and the the pass the guard passing strategy is different on both, and the guard attacking strategy is different on both as well. So in the IBJJF, yes. uh, Nogi, is the passing a lot more emphasized? And Absolutely. then in Abu Dhabi, you have people go fighting leg locks. People that are blending both, right? If you look at Abu Dhabi two years ago, it was mostly attacking leg locks. But now this year, you saw more of a blend. Or um, 2019, you saw more of a blend. Okay. And if we fast forward to 2021, you will see even less leg locks. All right, let's take, take a step back now and look at the actual art of passing there are concepts and techniques and mechanics that would be crucial to like getting your passing down and i would say what are the most important things but i'm going to give you some of what i think okay are important concepts i don't like that okay that was a that was like a haughty like (laughs) okay oh no no i just okay i'm listening that was again another hottie okay i'm listening you're not even you're not even looking at he's looking at his phone going huh okay (laughs) this will be cute go ahead let's hear it all right flatten the hips yeah immobilize those absolutely but that should have happened already you should just continue that right you should have already destroyed that in the nullification process correct so yes so we talked about that last time but in order to pass you're gonna have to keep that in mind that you need those hips to to be controlled nullified yes and the purpose of that would be 
I mean, if you're holding those, they can't, you can't shrimp with flat hips. You, you you're can't limiting mobility. Now, when you're trying to pass, how, what's the, one of the best ways, uh, you know what, before, before we talk about the individuals, let me just give you my things. Okay. Flatten the hips. Okay. Change direction. Absolutely. Those are the two I have right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are good ones. Good. I know. I yeah. didn't want to get ahead of myself. I'm like, let's just go with two strong ones. Okay. We'll see how that, how that starts us off. But the flattening of the hips, it's the best way to do that. The hardest thing in any form of grappling, not just jujitsu, is to 100% control somebody's hips. It's almost impossible. Um, so for guard, close guard passing, if you can flatten their hips, you can limit mobility. How you go about not, how you go about flattening their hips is dependent on how you're passing. Because if you if you let's say you're trying to do let's say like a knee slice, generally speaking, a knee slice you're not going to flatten the hips completely. You're going to flatten one side of their hips. But for that style of passing, that is 100% acceptable, right? If you're going to do a standing. Um, guard pass so where you stand up and you use your hips to kill their legs you move their hips away from you and you pin them to one side and again them for that style of passing it works if you try to do a stacking pass where you stack the opponent to get around you're actually not flattening their hips you're just moving them in the air so that they can't push off of anything therefore the hips are immobilized so how you immobilize your hips is going to be very, very reliant on what, what is the function of you trying to achieve. You could flatten the hips too, which simply by like moving, right? Like, Absolutely. And that's the other one is the changing of directions as you can, you can control through movement. 100%. Okay. And how would you control the hips when you do, let's say, break the guard and you're standing up? The farther away you get from those hips, it seems the harder it would be to control them, right? So um, if you if you think back to our close guard passing series where we stood up, the very first pass we did, where you get good control of the hips, good pressure, you stand up, you twist your hips, it pops their legs open because of the angle you're putting their spine into. Um, we talked about tucking the arm to our chest and then driving our hips onto the opponent's leg. That pushes their hips forward, and then you can slide down that leg. If functionally killing the hips like they can't move their legs in a good enough range of motion to get guard back um so that's how you would do it standing but let's say you're looking for a movement pass right so if you look at a guy like today um who was a revolutionary in movement passing he was the guy i think he was very his style of passing very heavily influenced guys like Cobrian, but more importantly half amendus half amendus is a, an incredible movement passer what you do with, what you're doing with movement is you move into a direction that your opponent has to follow in order to be effective so let's say i move to your to your right side to my left if you don't keep up with me and you don't follow me i will pass your guard right so if i know that and i know where your legs are going to be if you're trying to be effective i can for a brief moment just slow your legs down pin them down hold them um, frame them and i can quickly change directions your hips will not be able to follow me because you're committed to one side mm -hmm. and most of the time if you try to force force through and try to keep up with me when you've been framed or blocked or pinned or uh, stapled and you you can't move your legs the way you're supposed to your hips are going to end up flat 
which then all hope is lost because you can't keep up. So um, guys like um, today, when he would pass guard, he would try to knee slice. And anytime people turned into the knee slice, like they're supposed to, he would very quickly change directions. He would um, kick his legs and switch his hips to the other side. He would, he would hip switch in the air and end up on the other side and they couldn't turn back. Or they, if they couldn't turn back, then it forced them to say, okay, either my guard's passed or I have to turtle in order to regard. Well, if they turtled, then you take their back. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's very tough to deal with movement passing. On a more modern note, Hafa Mendes is an incredible guard passer, often threatening to leg drag to one side. And the moment that you keep up, he quickly switches his shins around your legs. So as you respond to the leg drag, he's already on the other side. And you, you just can't follow that. Not long enough anyways. When you're changing direction and the person on bottom is moving to, uh, let's say you're going to the right. So they start to shift to that right. You know exactly where they're going to be. When you, let's say, go for their legs, are you looking for controlling the top leg, the bottom leg? Because one of those is going to be more effective in helping them change direction with you and cut back the other way. Yeah, it depends on the style of passing. I mean, that, that's something that's a caveat that needs to be there. If I'm looking to pass to the same side, so I know that they're going to move the same direction I'm moving, but it's not going to be in a way that can prevent me from passing, I will control the bottom leg because the bottom leg is the leg that is most threatening to regarding. If I'm changing directions, I will control the top leg because should they turn and keep up with me, that becomes the bottom leg and that becomes the leg that I want to control anyways. So if I pass to your right, you turn into me, mm-hmm. I'm going to control. And I, let's say I want to pass to your right. I want to pass that direction. So I will control your bottom right leg. leg. It's, it's going to be your bottom right leg. Okay. Now, if I want to change directions and I want to move to the left side and pass to your left, then I will control your left leg because as I pass to the left, if if you manage to somehow keep up with me, which you, which you shouldn't because that's the whole point of controlling through movement. If you manage to keep up with me, that left leg now becomes your bottom leg. And I've beaten that anyways. You mentioned Ted today. He fantastic. Yeah, I would I would recommend looking up his videos because I watched some of them. He's got the most getting, wins against Marcel Garcia out of anybody in the planet. That's, that's worth a, mentioning. Yeah, that says a lot. Because Garcia is one of the best of all time. Yeah, there's also a good BJJ Scout video oh, on, his, on his passing that was really helpful and in, in like breaking it down because so much of uh, his videos when you're watching him, he's so fast that. Unless you slow it down, mm-hmm. for me, it, I, I, I miss a lot up. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think like his anybody that's anybody that's looking to study movement passing, study today for as much as you can. Then look up a guys like um, like Nino Shembri, which kind of were coming up just about a, about a year after, two years after today, and then move up into guys like um, Cabrera, who's followed, and then. Half a Mendes for sure. While we are talking about Tete, am I saying that right? Yeah, Tete. I am okay. I just always feel like I I say te and then I just I'm like just go da 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 da. Tete. I've yeah. got the right da da days in there. Yeah, you're good. Tete. Yeah, it's awkward now. Tete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can use that to also talk about some of the techniques for passing. Mm-hmm. One of those. If you watch any of his videos, you see over and over and over, like a long step or a yes. kick, kind of. Yes, he was. Uh, I think. I think he was the person that I, I don't know if trademarked is the right word, but but trademarked the long step. He. I think he was the innovator as far as the long step goes. 
and I don't know the best way to s- describe that, but it's essentially you can use it different ways. But a lot of times I think like he's in half guard and he'll just sometimes he'll use a cross face. He'll use different mechanisms, but then just mule kicks really like exaggerated yeah. and then slant brings that leg like outside. Yeah. So what he's doing is on a long step, what you're trying to do is open up your hips um, and have them point towards the ceiling. Um, and as you do that, what you're doing is you're creating, you're throwing your body in a certain direction and it's hard for the opponent who is on their back, which is a very unathletic position to keep, be able to keep up because if you're on your back, your legs can only go up so high. But if I'm on top and I turn 180 and I toss my point, my groin to the ceiling, my leg will be able to have a far greater range of motion than, than you trying to fall up from the bottom. That's why long stepping works. The weakness of long stepping is that there's a lot of momentum going one direction so the person at the bottom instead of falling up falling your leg which they can't do they may stomp the ground and bump into you right and then they they're looking to just disrupt enough of the control to throw you off balance so they can scramble to the top the answer to that is to nullify the extra momentum and you do that by stomping the mats so if somebody bumps really hard you have to stomp the mats really hard because what happens when you stomp you you're then um essentially providing enough force in the opposite direction to nullify your momentum. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you throw that leg up. It's you're now going backwards. You're going like negative. Right. And then they push forward to get this extra force. If you were to just let your leg naturally fall, you may lose control. All right. And then that's, but, but by slamming that's that, that energy then goes forward, goes in the opposite direction that you're coming from. Okay. And then should they be equal or should you be in the or should you be in excess when you stomp you can essentially nullify their power so think of two cars um crashing into each other right if your stomp is stronger or equal to the car coming at you your cars will hit and stop if you stomp weaker and they bump into you harder their car hits you and you move back so the idea is to at least match their power and intensity if not more and with the long kick, are you throwing up the leg that's not trapped? Depends. Um, sometimes it's legs that's trapped. Um, sometimes it's leg that's not trapped. It depends on how you're passing. You can do both. You can do it both ways. And even long stepping now has also evolved into more than just back stepping. Uh, long stepping has also becoming um, there's subcategories. You know, you have back stepping, you have a high stepping. You can go cross stepping. So um, long stepping is a style now. It sounds like dancing. All those things. Listen, he's got a great long step. His cross step, he's still working on. But I'll tell you what, his side step and back step, absolutely crisp as can be. And and today, believe it or not, accredits his passing style due to his like of dancing. He loves to dance. You on this show have repeatedly, repeatedly talked poorly about dancing. Now, you have just said it in this very episode. Tedede was a is a legend and a man who should be respected, but he's also saying that dance helped him. Why would you not use every tool at your disposal to become better at jujitsu? That means why are you not he dancing? Didn't, he didn't say that dancing caused him to move that way. It just gave him the creativity to move that way. Yeah. So don't you want some creativity? I'm. We've already had this discussion. We haven't. Not this way. It's always. Been, <laughs> it, it's always been me telling you. Who cares what I say? Now you have Tedede saying that. I'm a I'm a very um, open-minded person. I know that I am. Yeah, I, so, I'm also very um, 
methodical and if a movement doesn't make sense to me then it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense because you haven't danced you need you need to dance for it to make sense i I would love to learn to dance i honestly just don't have the time there we go well here's what we here's what we'll do i'll talk to your wife and say for your next for your birthday Uh you would like dance lessons okay i don't sure i won't have time to do them i have i have a dance instructor at my school it's one of my instructors and we'll we'll come back to this all right you do that uh you don't have time to do anything except for send a shitload of memes and facebook funny videos to all of us yeah in the middle of the night yeah you could be dancing in the middle of the night yeah at like three in the morning oh can you imagine your wife coming down and you're like in the basement like she she probably would just turn around and go back to bed. She probably wouldn't even shame me. She'd just be embarrassed by the whole situation. Taylor, Taylor, wait. Look look at this move I made. Pa roll. Sashay, sashay, sashay. Yeah, she, I don't know if she'd appreciate that. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some other stuff. I kept, as I was doing my research, weaves, weaving. Weaving. Weaving is important. Explain weaving. Because, um, like a long step, the the long step, it's easy. You go boom, there it is. The weaving was a little bit more intricate. Yeah. So, so what you're doing with so weaving is. Um, so before we talk about exactly what weaving is, uh, we have to understand the 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 function of angles in passing, right? So we looked at the ability to pin a hip, right? Forcefully control a hip so they cannot move and it cannot create the range of motion it needs to to function and you can be successful. And then we talked about um, mobility passing, mobility control, where as you move, your opponent cannot keep up with you, cannot achieve the angles that they need and you can get ahead of them. We then talked about long stepping, which is essentially an abrupt angle shift and your opponent cannot follow that shift, right? Now weaving, what weaving is, is a style of passing that causes you to fight from the outside and come in and and turn to the inside. So I think the easiest way to explain this is think of it like boxing. So when two strikers box. There's two styles of boxing. You have counter fighters and you have um, inside or pocket fighters, right? Counter fighters tend to fight from the outside. They like to hit you at their range so you cannot come in. The the pocket fighter like to, likes, likes to get inside your range so that you cannot hit them and they can hit you, right? Now, a trademark, a trademark aspect of a long range or an outside fighter or an account or counter fighter is to change the angles as you try to close that distance and attack you where they're in a proper angle but you are in an angle that's inefficient so what we're doing with weaving is as you weave your body through uh, as you've their legs or your body through their legs you are achieving outside angles that are mechanically superior to their inside angles so essentially you're causing them to whiff and then they cannot move into because their angles are off. It's a, it's a little bit more advanced. It takes a lot of practice. Um, that's why there's people that drill this for hours and hours. And Hafa Mendes is a great example of um, somebody who, who weave passes. Would weaving be if your opponent turns their hips away from you and then you like underhook one of their legs and then oh you're thinking of a different style okay no i'm talking about um we can talk about that that's also weaving it's a little bit different it's more of a pressure style um i thought we're still talking about movement what i'm talking about is let's say i'm passing your clothes guard right so i I put one of your legs up on my shoulder and i'm trying to toss that leg 
originally we would toss that leg, but people have become so good at doing that that now it's easier to get my head on the outside of your legs. So instead of trying to toss your leg over my head, I simply move my head on the outside. That way I can push your leg, I can push into your outside to your outer thigh and you can't turn into me versus trying to toss your leg. Um, now, when you're talking about the weaving with your arms, that is also when, um, so what he's talking about is when you use your arm to create a, a, an entanglement in their legs so that they cannot move. The most common way of doing this is by getting your arm in between their top leg and their bottom leg where your hand is on their bot on top of the top part of their thigh of their bottom leg so they can't kick free. So weaving is very powerful. Uh, that style of weaving is very powerful. It's more on the pressure style. And what, what you're doing there is you're saying, I cannot control the hips, but I don't have to, because if I control his knees, his hips can't move, right? Where, where does the power from you, from, where, where does the ability of your hip come from? Where does the ability to move your hips comes from? It comes from your abs, your dorsals, your legs, and your shoulders. and once you kill the knees, that's where the majority of their power comes in. So if you can find a way to weave your arm in between their legs so that you pin their knees, essentially their hips are, are stuck. They're immobile, very little mobility anyways. Who are some guys that are really good at weaving? Fabio Grigel was, was very good. Um, any of the original Cross and Gracie senior guys were good. Um, the, the generally speaking, weaving comes is very, very common concept or, or approach when you look at pressure passers. Pressure passers were really, really big in the late 80s, early 90s. So any, like say any of the Carlson Grace senior guys, um, nowadays uh, you may see guys like Bouchesha or um, uh, Orlando Sanchez. Orlando Sanchez is very good weaver with his with his arms and then if he's he's a shorter guy um he's a stubbier guy so if he can't control the legs for too long because he's generally speaking his arms are only so long he then combines um a, uh, movement passing with his uh, with his arm i think the commentators on acc called it the 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 shuffle the big o shuffle or the something where he would weave the legs it would momentarily block the opponent's hips from moving but the opponents all being longer than he was would able to were able to move their hips away and then he would just shuffle his ass to one side and the other and then pass uh-huh. so yeah no um leg, leg weaving with your arms is very very powerful most of this episode we've just been talking about like agility passes that's kind of the first one it sounds like you said we crossed over to pressure passers correct We'll do the next episode on pressure passers. We'll focus on that. Mm-hmm. Are there any other agility passes, general agility, like big umbrella ones? I know we could get into specifics, but any others before? Yeah, there's um, 2010, roughly. There was a momentary surge to to bypass guard passing and go straight to back. You saw lots of crab riding lots of uh, the, the rise of the Berimbolo and, and a couple of things like that. And they're not necessarily agility-based. They just tend to be more, um, uh, they tend to rely a little bit more on movement. So they would fall to me under the movement and agility side versus the pressure. What do you think so, about crab riding? Um, I think if done well, it's super powerful. I was watching uh, Meow Brother. Yeah, very good crab riders. And they were, uh, actually it was a BJJ scout on the Meow Brothers and uh, he was talking about crab riding and 
I that's something I've just started doing, mm-hmm. and I didn't know I had a name to it. Do you only see small guys doing that? Because I, I, I crab ride. <laughs> well, but you're, you're okay. You're, you're a weird <laughs> exception. Do, do you see many no, larger guys see, doing that? You don't that? see the big guys doing it. No, it's it's generally speaking a smaller guy thing. And I I think it's fun because it's a way to like you can just kind of slowly just wedge yourself under their body and just shimmy up farther and farther. It's a very non fancy way. <laughs> To bypass the guard, which is the reason you don't see big guys doing it because there's no popularity in it and it doesn't appeal to their strengths. Okay. Where a little guy may say, I don't give a shit what it looks like as long as I don't have to deal with this bullshit. Yeah. You're probably not going to win many dates crab riding, but, uh, it doesn't look good, <laughs> but it works. It, it, it does. Yeah. A hundred percent works. It's very, very powerful. Uh, all right, sorry. You were talking about uh, in 2010. There was a surge in some uh, surpassing guard passing. Well, yeah, not necessarily super bypassing. Bypassing, yeah, and that's where you saw like crab ride rises. You saw um, double guard pulls. You saw bearing bolos. Um, people that were just trying to either avoid or bypass guard in general. And generally speaking, I would classify those as more on the movement and agility side of passing versus the pressure side of passing. All right, we're gonna end this guard passing series here and the next one will be on the pressure passing okay and we're gonna hop over to a listener email sounds good listener mailbag that sounds like a, the dirtiest thing in the world <laughs> we need to come up with a different name no that sounded perfectly innocent you just sure. have a warped mind i'm sorry I, I do have a warped mind but i don't think even with a clean mind that that would be not bad yeah we're gonna do two emails this first one is from brian or sorry byron he says hey guys just wanted to say that although i'm a big fan of your podcast i don't like croiler's competition corner at all that what he said? Yep. Wow, that's good. I listen to your podcast while I'm either walking the dog or driving, so there's no way I can watch competition footage at the same time that I'm listening to you guys. I'm probably not the only one in this situation. I think you should probably turn the new feature into a separate entity, like a YouTube channel geared towards nothing but competition com- commentary where people can watch, concentrate, and learn. So what he's saying, I think, is that we should have recorded us watching the video and breaking it down. Yeah. And then posting it on YouTube. Yeah. Like I brought it up a few weeks ago. Wait a second. Did you make up a, a fake email address no, and I, send I, this to... I don't, oh my, that's pathetic, Croyler. I don't have time for that. That is sad. <laughs> you could have just told me that. So for wh- whoever you are, um, I don't know your name. Um, Byron. Byron. I'm with you on this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just throw me under the bus. <laughs> no, yeah, Byron, you're exactly right. Uh, it was it was, it was something that we want we want to try, but and Croyler's like, hey, we should uh, we should try this out. We should put a put on YouTube channel, record ourselves doing this. I'm like, dude, is that what I sound like? <laughs> yeah, you, you sound more like, hey, man, this is what I thought. Derpy, derpy, der. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea, but that means I've got to learn how to like do some editing, and it's gonna take a minute for me to figure that stuff out. And so, well, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> and listen, that 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 would be nice because when we did that, I was watching, thinking, as much as I hate to criticize, as much as I hate to compliment Croiler, you're really good at analyzing a video in depth and it would be beneficial i think to everyone to watch that thanks do you want to pay me a compliment now you're you're doing a really great job (laughs) thanks
Olympics. Yep. It's <laughs> very specific. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Here's our next one. This is from Peanut Butter Jerry. Oh god damn it. Why do you got why does it got to be your name? I almost want to discredit this just on his name. All right, Peanut Butter Jerry says <sighs> All right. Everything parks parks and rec. Mhm. Jerry and Parks and Rec. Yes. That's literally who I'm picturing right now. Just with his face covered in peanut butter, like his mouth covered in I, peanut butter. I don't even care what he looks like. Just that's what he looks like in my head. <laughs> All right. Well, he's from Guam. So okay. just picture uh, Jerry from Guam. Okay. Now, he said before the UFC match between Cub Swanson and Kron, Cub stated in an interview that certain gyms wouldn't work with him because they're loyalty to the Gracie family. Is there such a camaraderie to the Gracie family? And what's Croyler's take on the situation? That's tough, man. Uh, there's so many schools and so many black belts. It's hard to say that 100% of the schools are so loyal to the Gracie family that they would not train somebody who's going to fight a Gracie. Um, I think that's a little bit unrealistic and unfair to say. Um, there may be loyalty at given schools um, or to given Gracies, but I wouldn't know. I wouldn't go as far as to say that a hundred percent of the schools are that loyal. I mean, that's just unrealistic. You know, Gracies aren't loved by everyone. I think everybody gives them their due respect, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't train somebody to fight them. Otherwise there would be no people, you know, fighting any Gracies out there. That would never happen. So Mm. I think that's a little bit unrealistic to say. I think, I think, uh, Cub, I don't can't speak for him. I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know if he was being a hundred percent honest, and I don't know if this was a you know a knee jerk statement from maybe one or two schools that he might have tried tried going to. You know, example. I mean, Crone trains at Caesar Gracie's, trains with you know the Diaz brothers, trains at his own school. He trains in California. I'm sure he's cross trained a lot of schools in California. He's made a lot of friends. If Cub Swanson is also in California, he may have a find, he may find a hard time, you know, may have a hard time finding a school that um, would take him. Not because they don't like him or because they don't want to train a guy that's going to fight Crone, but because of their friendship with Crone, right? But it doesn't mean that if he didn't go to Colorado, he couldn't find a school. Or if he didn't go to Florida, he couldn't find a school. I, I think that's a little bit uh, dramatic and over the top and mm. definitely brought attention. The article made its rounds when he was going to fight Crone. And I think because of what he said, you know, it brought attention to the fight. Okay, well, I think I, this is a good time to bring up. I'm looking to fight Crone. Will you train me? No. What? I, I will watch you get beat up by Crone. Well, hold on, hold on, hold uh, on. Let's rewind this. Uh-huh. I'm going to issue a challenge uh, on social media <laughs> to Crone, and uh-huh. and you have my back, right? I will 100% have your back. Cool. Uh-huh. Thanks, man. Yeah. But when it comes time to coaching you to fight him, let's say day of, uh-huh. I, I, I will walk with you there, but I will watch him beat you up. <laughs> so you failed. That's okay. I'm feeling you, but I'm, you know, Crone's family. That's how I am, though. I, I protect me and mine. You know, I think if if you're with me, you're with me. Um, the, a, a good way to describe the family, the Gracie family, is think of it like fingers on a hand, right? They're all separate. They can all do individual things, but at the end of the day, they're all part of the same entity. And I'm not going as far as to say that the furthest. Gracie on one side and the furthest Gracie on the other side 
could never be trained to eventually fight each other. I, I'm just saying that, generally speaking, that's avoided. I don't know that any Gracies have ever fought any other Gracies in in a in an MMA event. The Gracies are all fingers on a hand. What kind of fucked up mangled hand has like hundreds of fingers on it? What kind of horrible alien? The the Gracie structure? family's hand. <laughs> <laughs> that thing would look just like a, a mess of worm. Yeah. Worm fingers. But to put it in perspective, the Gracies fought each other all the time in the eighties and nineties. You know, there's lots of them competing small cir- smaller circuits, so they they would eventually fight each other. Um, and they would they would you know fight go to the distance and fight the distance um as far as a fight fight um i don't know they would do that you know i think at the end of the day they're all gracies we're all gracies and it doesn't benefit the family to do that Mm -hmm. you know Uh, stambowski once said that he had a purple belt going to fight one of my cousins i won't mention my cousin's name and um, his his he was in the competition. He know they were fighting. They're in the same bracket. He had no idea. And his students like, hey, I'm gonna fight your your nephew. Like, you know, can you can you like coach me? Because I'm sure it's gonna be a tough match. And he's like, brother, I, I will watch, but I, I'm I'm not gonna coach you. And you're probably gonna get beat up. <laughs> um, and, and I think at the end of the day, it's family. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's tough to to say that. All right. Well, that was a good question. Thank you. Uh, thank you, peanut butter Jerry. God damn it. <laughs> Before we end, this is the 50th episode, and I didn't... It's been... We've kind of gotten away from our roots of D&D. Oh, Jesus Christ. I thought I was going to dodge this bullet. No, my friend. It. I gave you the end of the year off, but we're here in 2020, and I think we need to start this off right. Sure. I, I'll give you a quick recap. I know you don't need it, because I know that you've been waiting with bated breath for this to pick up where we left off, but uh, you were last in the barbarian encampment and you and your sword Eladriel were interrogating a, a Geklar who gave you who gave you a map to the chieftain and yeah. you are going to this chieftain because you got you gotta get home. And you were told maybe this would be a good way to get home. So we pick up with you and uh, you're on the road to okay. the Geklar chieftain. You're very close to, to his encampment. Okay. And I can tell that's a sigh of excitement and you're getting close. You have some barbarians who said, because you're their savior, we, my liege, my lord, we're with you and we're going we're gonna to take you to this place. So you're going there following this map. You can see it. You're close. You get up to the gate. And have the magical sword. You have Eladriel with you. She's like, Cruella, I'm here by your side okay. and I'll do anything for you. Okay. And you get up to this 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 gate and there are a couple Geklar, these large lizard creatures, spears, mm-hmm. and they say, Oh, that, that's their tongue. And, and, then I, and I can understand You that. can understand it. Okay. And, and it comes right. through as, what are you doing here? What is state your business? Okay. So then I will say, take me to your leader. Why do you want to see our leader? I have an offer that he can't refuse. Yes, I'm quoting Godfather. And they say, what is this Godfather you speak of? (laughs) I mean, I don't tell them that, but... They look you up and down and then just kind of smirk and then turn to each other and just keep talking and ignore you like you're just some child who asked them a question. So then I cut one of their heads off and I look at the one that survives. Okay, so you pull out your sword, you slice... The head off, falls down. The other one looks up at you, pulls his spear out. Cut his arm off. His arm off? Yeah. Cut his arm off. And he says, oh, 
okay, okay, hold on, hold on. All right, let me let me take you let me right. take you to the chieftain. So mm-hmm. he he limps, and as you're walking, or he doesn't limp because he has both his legs, his arms. <laughs> he, he he walks, and but he's a lizard, so his arm starts to grow back on the way uh-huh. to uh, which Just did, you, it off did you know uh, the the nipple grows back? Someone I, I was did. telling me that the other I day. I did know that. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. All yeah. right. So you cut their arm off again, just you, to make sure. Do you want to cut his nipple off? No, just his arm. Okay. I don't know. That, I don't don't think lizards have nipples. I, I don't care. Should we know. look it up? Someone look that up and then maybe email Croiler. Don't email me. Uh, all right. So you're you're walking up to 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 this to his tent. You walk in there. He is in the middle of like some ceremony and they're like some sexy lizard ladies like dancing and, uh-huh. and they're playing like a lizard guitar uh-huh. and maybe like lizard drums. I don't know what lizard guitar or drums look like, but that's okay. <laughs> and I'll let you go on with this. And then <laughs> it's basically like the lizard beetles that oh, are in there performing okay. for him. Gotcha. Uh-huh. And he says, who are you? What, what are you doing here? And then I will say, I have a proposition that you need to listen to. <laughs> what could some foolish, scaleless person like you have? To- I'd throw the head of the guy that I cut off earlier. He looks and he goes, uh-huh. do you think that scares me? You're surrounded by all of my men yeah, but I have and women. The, I have whatever the sword's name is with me. And what, w- what sword do you have that could scare me? But I would. Uh- wow. <laughs> you feel her next. You go. I thought we were close. We're so bonded. Yeah, we can be we can be close after this and then you know so, so you, I will threaten death to everyone on camp. Okay, so what are you pulling your sword out or are you just standing no, here? No, just standing. There's no reason to be you know, walks off and carry a big stick, right? Yeah, well, he says I'm not or afraid. Speaks off and carry a big stick. Yes, he says I- I'm not afraid of you. He says, kill this this fool, and so. So then I lay waste. To- I lay waste to everybody. So you draw your sword. Yep. And all of a sudden, he sees your sword, and everyone stops and he goes, "Stop! What is that?" Right, is, and then is, whatever her name is, because you is, made is, my sword a girl, apparently. Aladriel. Aladriel. <laughs> yeah. She says she looks up at you and says, "My name's Aladriel." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, her." Say my name, please. <laughs> it's very rude. Could you introduce me? No. Because only you can hear her. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. So do you want to introduce her? No, it's all right. <laughs> she, she's the one who's going to save you from the situation, and you don't even want to introduce. All right. So so he looks, and he you can see his, like, his jaw drops, and he says, that is the holy sword. I need that sword. And he says, kill him. So then I, I continue to lay waste everybody there. And it's not that easy. Well, it's that easy. I have the magical sword. They can do whatever I want it to do, right? You said those things. Yeah, it can do what you want it to do. Right. That doesn't and, mean and that I you're always it. successful. Oh, no, no. That's I killed a horde of them because I wanted to. But this is the King's Guard, the Chieftain's Guard. Doesn't matter. So they all start to come in. They, I want to kill the the King's Guard. Doesn't matter. There's an there's a, there's a you blood. Gave, you gave me this free reign. There's 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 blood. There's horrible stuff happening after the dust settles. All of your barbarian friends are dead. That's fine. <laughs> Jesus, they're your loyal followers. Well, they're they're following me because I'm gonna save them. As long as I get that done, then they should be happy. Yeah, I mean, technically, you didn't save them because they're Not all slow. those specific ones, but the rest of them that didn't come. With but them. you have the attitude of someone who wouldn't instill confidence that you're gonna save them. Oh, you, you but, just, <laughs> but, but I will. Results matter. Okay, so you kill them. And then the chieftain is just oh, and you also I should say in the process uh-huh. is cocky as you are here you do kill all the geklar here okay. do you kill the the beetles the the geklar beetles or do you let them just are they kinda... armed they're armed 
No, they're just sitting there. Then like, no, they can keep playing. All right, cool. Do you say that? You go, keep playing. Pretty much. All right, then they're back to, I want to hold your Whatever. lizard hand. <laughs> now you're, you're not meant to sing, but that's okay. Thank you. Yeah. And, and you're not meant to be a, a leader of the barbarian people. I never asked to be the leader of the barbarian people. He's standing here on his, oh. his throne. It's just you and him uh-huh. and your sword, whose name is... Come on, you know you. Yeah, yeah. To remember her name now. Ash, nobody else knows. It's fine. But all right, what's her name? Think of it. Come on. You remember it, right? This is like the beginning of the episode. I know. I've seen. <laughs> yeah, but in the beginning of the episode, I want you to say something with a weird voice. Now I'm just saying, what is whatever the name sword name is, Ledriel or whatever. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if you said it completely right, but all right. So it's you and her and him and. You know what? We'll stop it here. We're doing this next episode, though. I, do, I want you to know that just because you're being so <laughs> stubborn doesn't mean we're done. We're doing this next episode. Everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, a lot of you have probably tuned out by now. Uh, thank you for the few who have stuck around. We will see you guys next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.